Hey, before we jump into the sermon today, I want to take a moment and pray. If you haven't noticed, uh, we've been missing Tree and Adam up here for the last couple of weeks, and they both contracted COVID uh, over a week ago at a family event. Uh, no worries, they didn't connect with anybody here, and so there's no passing that on here, but um, uh, just communicated with Adam this week, and it's, he's got pneumonia on top of that, and so they're just struggling to recover, and so uh, we're going to pray for him today um, because our God is a healing God, right? Yes. Right. And then, um, you know, another person in our congregation, Peter, he's, he's struggling uh, in overcoming and finding healing in cancer, and he's had a rough week. And uh, so if you guys are watching online, um, Peter, the Moors, we're going to pray for you as well. Uh, amen? Amen. amen? Lord, we thank you that you are... Uh, you're not just our creator, and you're not just our sustainer. Lord, you're not a faraway God. Uh, Lord, you're a close-by, loving, healing God. And Lord, we lift up uh, those in our congregation. Uh, we know of Trine Adam, who are struggling with COVID and the symptoms of COVID. We lift up Peter to you, Lord, who's struggling with uh, uh, cancers and the, and the symptoms that come from that. And Lord, we just lift these folks up to you. And those here today who might be struggling we're watching online with sickness as well. And we ask you, Lord, to heal them, Lord. Lord, you know their cases intimately, probably more than the doctor does. And, and we ask you, Lord, today, uh, we're offering up a prayer of faith like you instructed us to in the book of James. And we're asking, Lord, to go and to heal our friends. Touch their bodies today, Lord, we ask in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we looked at the nature of God, and we discovered that one of uh, the natures of God is that God is a sending God. Uh, and we said he sent his word, he sent prophets, he sent provision, he sent his son, he sent the Holy Spirit, etc., etc. And you can go back two weeks ago and uh, listen to that sermon if you want. But because we are made in the image of God... Uh, in our redeemed state, meaning when we come to, to Christ and he has uh, created with us a new life and redeemed us, we are therefore an outward-focused, others-first, sending people. That our outlook in life is not all about me, 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 my needs, my this, my that, but, but it's in the image and nature of God, we're, we're sending, we're outward-focused, we're, we're loving and in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so he's saying, hey, in the same manner that God the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so this is just God's word to us saying, hey, uh, you are a sent people as well. So not only has God sent his word and sent prophets and provision and his son and the Holy Spirit, he sends you. Amen. And of course, the probably the most famous is just the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the verse continues, teach them, observe commandments, all of these kinds of things. But he's saying go. And that's his, his really what we call the greatest commandment. His last words to his disciples were go. I'm sending you, Go. And then last week we talked 
about the reign and the rule of God through Jesus Christ. And that reign and rule of God is declared uh, most effectively when we follow Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 6, specifically verses 31 through 33. He said this, Don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when we seek God's kingdom, which, what is God's kingdom? It's the reign and rule of God through Jesus Christ. That's God's kingdom. When we seek his reign and rule in our lives, that means we prioritize God in all things. We prioritize God in our time. We prioritize God with our energy, with our money, with our gifts and talents, our skills, with other resources that we have. We prioritize God in our thought life, in our reputation or our image, our philosophy, our approach to living, all of these arenas, when, when we are demonstrating the reign and rule of God in our life, we're prioritizing these things as primary. Now, we all know there's other things we need in this life to live, but those are secondary to God's primary. And that we do that, and when we live a life of that way, we are demonstrating, we are, we're declaring to the world around us the reign and rule of God through Jesus Christ. Because we can declare it with our mouths, but until people see that it's be, it can be done and they can see it and smell it, touch it, taste it, those kinds of things, how will they know? So it's not just theory. God calls us to live it out and demonstrate it to the world around us. And when we do that, we are the most effective way of declaring God's kingdom to the world around us. So this, the last two weeks we've talked about these things, and I hope that what you're seeing is that God has not invited us to a life of passivity. God hasn't invited us to live lives that are intentional lives. That the, we're living lives that are active and full. Lives that demonstrate the reign and rule of God, which means lives that love, lives that give, lives that invest, lives that heal, Lives that forgive. Lives that mend. Lives that are different from the world around us. It's an outward focused for the kingdom of God way of living. And I hope that you're catching this over the last couple weeks. That this is the life God intends for us to live. Now, that's awesome. And my prayer and hope is that all of us can live uh, that way, and in that way, we're demonstrating God to the community around us. But let me ask you, what do you do when you're utterly exhausted? What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're just overwhelmed, like you can't put another thing on your plate, you can't take it, there's just too much? And, uh, or what do you do when... All your resources are depleted. Or when you as an individual, something inside is just broken. Your emotions, uh, your, your heart, uh, 
something is just, is just broken. Or what do you do when you're being persecuted or fought against in the way that you're trying to live? Or what about with just the weight of everything, all the responsibilities, all of the expectations, all of these things are just on you and weighing you down and they just, it just seems like too much. The instruction to go, the instruction to, to live to kingdom first, it just seems like an impossible request. We've all lived there. Many of you might be there today. Like, Pastor, I read the Bible. Yep, I, I agree with you that our God is a, is a sending God, that, that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and, and a child of God. Therefore, I'm a sending person. I should be outward focused. I should be giving. I should be investing. I should be healing. I should be mending. I should be forgiving. I should be living differently than the world around me. But man, I fall into the category of like, I just don't have the resources to do that. I get home at the end of my day and I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted, I'm afraid, I'm broken, I'm all of these things. So what's the answer? Because clearly God tells us to live a certain way. King David was somebody who experienced uh, a lot of overwhelming things. Right? Uh, Least... Least of his family, meaning he was the youngest on the totem pole, which means he really, in that culture, his life's trajectory just meant he was going to be a servant to his family. He had, he, there was no, he had 11 brothers ahead of him. He was the oldest brother, was the, was the one who became the ruler, the one in charge, who was in control of everything, and then it just, the pecking order went down and David's at the bottom. So David's role just serve the family wherever they tell him to do. But God anoints David king. He creates an expectation like, David, no, this is who you're going to be. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're, you're born, your whole life you grow up, uh, your young years, your teenage years, and you're just known that, hey, what you're going to be is the shepherd. You're going you're gonna to lead the sheep out. You're going to clean up poop. You know, you're just, you're going to fight off a bear or two if they try to kill the sheep. But that's the rest of your life, David. That's all you're meant for. And God says, no, you're going to be king. Now, that might sound exciting to us, like, yeah, yeah, I'm king material. But that's pretty frightening to David, who's like on the bottom of the totem pole. That's like if you're flipping hamburgers at McDonald's and I swish in your hey, you're going to be president. Like, what? Not even the hope, but like, I'm not skilled, I'm not this. So these expectations that now he is aware that God is putting on him. And then as he walks through life, just relationship uh, you know, his brothers are against him. He goes, he has his victory uh, with, with uh, Goliath. He's facing Goliath on behalf of the whole country. His, his brothers are up. You can read his story, but his brothers are mocking him. He wins the battle. People are singing his praises. Then the king becomes jealous of him and starts chasing him around the country and trying to kill him. Uh, so he has to hide out in foreign countries. Those kings think are after him for his stuff and to use him and abuse him for their purposes. It's just, it's a crazy life that David lives. I tell you all this to say, in Psalm 121 is the Psalm of David. And you can read through the Psalms as David is probably one of the, uh, the greatest writers that is able to just pour their heart out on paper. We've all met people like that, right? Certain people who just, they can just pour their heart out, no filters, 
no thinking about anything, you know, uh, it's typically not me, but there are people, and David just pours his heart out. And in Psalm 121, he says this, he asks the question we're asking this morning, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? Now, when he says we lift his eyes up to the mountains, he's not, uh, he's not saying that the mountain is going to help me. When he says lift his eyes up to the mountains, the mountains is where uh, the city of David was built, the, his fortress, his protection. Uh, it's, they're built on mountaintops because you have the vantage point over an enemy who's trying to come up. It's your place of safety. It's your place of security. It's your place of strength. Okay? He says, I lift my eyes to the mountain." Where does my help come from? So, logically, his help would be in his fortress. But he says in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, David said, Hey, my help is not in the mountains where my fortress is, my wealth is, my security is, my possessions are, my family lives. It's none of these things. My help is from the Lord. And as we start to look through Scripture, this becomes a, a, a popular theme throughout Scripture. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 31, God is talking about the, the captives who have been in uh, Babylon and are going to be led out. And how many know if you've been uh, a, a slave for a dominating country for multiple generations, there's a tiredness, right? There's a, there's a fatigue in your bones. And, Jer- and God promises the people this. He says, I, not Jeremiah, it's the Lord, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. These are the people who are just tired. They're tired of living as Israelites in a foreign country. They're tired of the constant uh, beratement, the constant uh, pushback against uh, their way of living and who they are as a people group. They're, just, they're ready to just give up hope. And God says to, to tell them this, I will refresh the weary and satisfy, satisfy the faint. This is common that God makes these promises. The Lord makes these promises. It says, hey, uh, David says, my help comes from the Lord. Jeremiah says, hey, God told me he, he will Refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. And then Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, stands up and says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest. If you're weary, if you're tired, it's almost like he's quoting Jeremiah. He says, hey, I'm the source of your, of your refreshment. I'm the source of your strength. Come to me, and I will give you rest. He says something similar in John chapter 7, just before. He says, uh, uh, on the last day of, and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. What is, Jesus, what is Jesus saying here? He's not saying that, hey, he has like a bucket full of water and anybody who, you know, has had a long journey is going to give him each a sip so that their thirst is quenched. That's not what he's saying. 
He's talking about the, the thirsty that, that are thirsting inside, that they're not satisfied, that there's an emptiness, that there's a longing for something they don't know what it is. I hope you're catching a picture here. Lastly, I want to show you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The writer says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the writer is saying, hey, let's go to God with confidence and receive grace and mercy from him so that it will help us in our time of need. So the need equals going to God to fulfill it. The theme here is the same, whether it's the Old Testament or it's the New Testament, and that's this, that our needs are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're exhausted, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you're here today and you're, you're longing for something that's not filled, that you're thirsting, that you have desires that are unmet, Jesus says, come to me and I will quench that thirst and that desire. He says, I hope you're getting the picture here today that if it's grace that you need, if it's mercy that you need today, if you have this weight of guilt in your life, if you have this uh, depression, this view of yourself that's negative, he says, come to me and I will give you grace and I will give you mercy. He's saying here today that our needs are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I want to give you uh, an example this morning. Excuse me. <clears throat> this cup represents us, right? And this is empty. There's not, well, there was a drop. It just fell out. That's it. Now it's really empty. <laughs> Some of you felt just like that, like I just gave my last drop. I'm done, <laughs> right? And here's the deal. This is us, and this is Jesus. And he says, come to me. And I will satisfy your needs. Right? But then he says, now go. And oftentimes we go and we, we pour ourselves out on behalf of others. And, and then oh, we got nothing. We're tired. We're exhausted. We've been living the Christian life. We've been being other people focused. We've been doing what God asks us to do. We've been serving. We've been praying. We've been trying to live our best for Him. And we have run dry. And He says, Come to me, all who are thirsty. And I'll give you rest. I'll fill that cup. I'll refresh you. I'll meet your needs. You'll, you'll, Isaiah 58, one of my favorites, it'll be like a well-watered garden. Like just healthy and happy and joyous and loving and all those things. And then in that excitement, what do we do? We're like, yeah, God, now I'm so 
can go. I can go and I can pour myself out and do what you asked me to do. And, and, and time goes by, and depending on how fast you're pouring yourself out, you're like, ugh, exhausted. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. My resources are depleted. I'm afraid. And we go to God. And He fills us up again. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But there's, there's a tension here when we're reading Scripture. Am I supposed to go? Or am I supposed to come? What is God asking me? He says, go into all the world. I'm ascending God. Other people focused. Go. Do all these things. Come to me. If you thirst, come. If you have need, come. So, do we go or do we come? And in our coming, do we feel guilty that we're not going? And in our going, do we feel guilty that we're not coming? What do we do? You see the tension? Have you ever lived in that tension? Are you living in that tension now? Because I don't know about you, but this is what COVID did to me. Not only did COVID do that, COVID's like, <laughs> I'm taking all of that from you, baby. Like, like, there's not even moisture in the bottom of the cup. And you read scripture and you hear a sermon and you say, God says I'm supposed to go and love and invest and focus in others and I, can't, I don't have any moisture left to give. God, I wish I could. I feel disobedient. Or maybe you don't even care. And you're just like, I'm doing me. And the rest of the world can just figure their own thing out. But that's not a scriptural response. The scriptural response is that we live differently in the world around us. And when the world around us is depleted, and they've got nothing to give. We say, no, come drink. You say, well, pastor, how can I do that when I'm depleted? I have to come and get filled. And I would say, if you're depleted, that's a true. You have, to, you have to come and be filled. But the reality is this. In that tension, God's designed us to do both at the same time. And that's where strength is found. That's where power is found. That's where the sweet spot of Christian life is found when you're doing both. You're going and coming at the same time. And you go, is that what really God wants from us? Well, let me read you a scripture. John chapter 15, verse 5. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's right here. The coming is the, hey, the branch it's connected to the vine. That's the coming. The going is the doing. Where he says, hey, if you're not attached to me, you're not going to be able to do anything. And so there's this being attached to the vine. And in fact, uh, uh, if, for those who have been here for some time, the Vanarias, uh, who we support as missionaries, used to be in Papua New Guinea. And they came and they told us a story as they were translating the Bible for the Mesim 
people there that they were going around trying to uh, uh, know their language. And when they came to this verse, he was trying to find out from uh, the people, hey, what, uh, what do you call branches? What's the word for branches? And he was like, what's the word for, bran- for branch? And they were like, we don't have a separate word for branch. Those are the tree's hands. And it was like, like, that's a better translation that, that we are the hands and feet of God. That God shows his kingdom, he demonstrates his kingdom here through us. We do. But apart from remaining in him, we don't do anything. We can't do anything. And so here's a verse about the expectation that we're doing both. We're coming and going. Psalm 23, I'm assuming, is probably some of your favorite psalms. One of your favorite psalms. And I just want you to read it because what we're talking about is in this psalm. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I don't know about you, but when you are right with God, and you're coming to Him, and, and your relationship with Him is where it needs to be, and He's pouring into you, you really feel like you lack nothing. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. If you've never been in that place, I encourage you deeply to pursue God to where, you know what, you might lack like five bucks for coffee or, you, or something of that nature, but we're talking about need, you know, just basic need. We lack nothing when God is our shepherd and he's squarely there. He says, he makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. The green pasture represents sustenance and food. The, the quiet waters represents just the thirst and the streams and peace and whatnot. He says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Don't we all want that in our life, right? To lack nothing. And then He says this, even though... Uh, Guys, there's something going on with the slide thing. It's not advancing. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm sorry, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he's even talking here about people who are against him and the, the evil and the darkness around him. He walks through with assurance because God is with him. And then the next slide. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Hmm. So this is what God has in mind for for us. We come to him, we're empty. And he fills us just like David's talking about. As he fills us, Our cup just is overflowing. So we're coming to God and we're going at the same time. And it all comes because we're, we're recognized. We're putting God in his right place. As we come and he fills us, our cup overflows. And so then our, our going is a result of our overflowing because God has filled us and fully satisfied us. 
And church, when we have that down as a people, instead of, I came to God, I had this amazing moment at a conference or a concert or my church service, I came to the altar and I met God in a powerful way and I felt Him fill me up where I was in this Bible study and I feel empowered. I'm going out for the Lord and we work, 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 work. Next thing you know, we're just done. Then we come crawling back to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to fill me and touch me and heal me and all these kinds of things. And he's faithful. He does it. He fills our cup. And we say, thanks, God. And we run off and we pour our cup out. And then we're dry again. And we come running back to God. God's faithful to do that. But God would rather you live a life of be full of him all the time. That your cup runs over. And look at the next verse. Go ahead, guys. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is, this is a guy who says, hey, living in the goodness and dwelling in the house of God, and I know some of this uh, has a, a future promise as well, like after here, we'll li- we'll, it's forever, eternity. It has an eternal promise in it. But he says, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Because God is my shepherd. I'm coming to him, and in my coming, I go. Church, God has called us to go and to come simultaneously. That I hope the preaching the last few weeks hasn't put on you another burden, another expectation, like, oh, with all this I'm working through, and i got to serve God, and I feel this guilt because I don't have the energy or the resources or I'm tired or any of those kinds of legitimate reasons. But God says, hey, I'm, I would really love it if we could figure out you just staying full of me and overflowing. Just a continuous coming instead of a cycle of come, go, come, go, come, go. But that we're going continually, coming continually. Can we go in the, I think there's another slide. Come, go, abide. That's the old one of uh, remain in me. If you'll abide in me. If the, Sean, if you guys can get ready to come up. My question is this, and, and for you this morning, do you struggle coming to the Lord? For me, going is easy. I'm a task guy. I like to do. I like to see. And I come to the Lord when I'm dry. And I go through my daily devotions. I read because, you know, it's, I'm a pastor. I need to be in God's word on a daily basis. And, and I do that mainly for your benefit so you can hear the preached word of God. But for me personally, as a person, not as a pastor, like, I could, I could live off of like, see the little drops that are left? Like, oh, I still have more in me, God. I can keep going. Like, not even thinking like, hey, hey, buddy, you know, you're, uh, I have a garden and I know it's time to water it and my leaves are wilting. Right? Have you ever... 
you guys have plants in your house or anything, you notice, oh, those, those leaves are starting to wilt. That needs some water. That's usually my life. My leaves are wilting. What is wrong with me? Oh, I need to be filling myself with more of God. So my coming is harder than my going. And that might not be you today. Maybe you're coming to God as the easy part. Easy part. And you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, I'm glad you're preaching this, Pastor. Everyone needs to hear this. But maybe your going is weak. Or maybe both are weak. I don't know. I'm not making judgments today. What, I'm, what we're presenting today is that God asks you to go and come. And that happens through abiding. It's through, it's through staying. And this morning, if you struggle coming to the Lord, it starts, it starts by uh, recognizing your need for Him. Saying, God, I need you. Like, even if life is awesome and you're on top of the mountain right now instead of on the bottom of the mountain, uh, you can still say, Lord, I need you. And this recognition of need for God draws God close to us. We say, God, I need you. Like, I need to be in your presence. I need to hear your voice. I need you to lead me. I need you to bring me peace. I need you to open my eyes. I need you to change my heart. I need, like, right? The need goes on and on and on. And I recognize, like David said, my help doesn't come from the mountains where my security is, where my fortress is, where my family is, or any of those kinds of things. My help comes from the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to take uh, a minute or two and they're going to lead us in a song. And it's one we've sung here many, many times before. It's just, Lord, I need you. And I challenge you today, if you struggle coming to the Lord, if you find yourself depleted in some way, shape, or form today, or you're fearful, or you're angry, or any of those kinds of things that you know stands in the way of your going for God, of your living and demonstrating the reign and rule of God in your life, then I ask you to bring it to God today. He says, he stood up and said, come. Come to me, all who thirst, all who, have, who are weary, all who carry heavy burdens. And if you will, by faith, come to God and say, God, I have this need, and I've been carrying it, or I've been looking for resources in the wrong places or answers in the wrong places, and that really my answer is found in you as a redeemed child of God. You're the source of my fulfillment. You're the source of my need. It's not my spouse. It's not the lack of a spouse. It's not, uh, it's not even in my church. It's in you. And I need you to help me. I come to you. My rest is in you. My provision is you. My everything is in you. And if you'll pour your heart out to God in that way, I promise you today that God will fill you. You might not be overflowing when you leave here today. Maybe you will be, I pray. But you won't be bone dry. You'll feel a little something in your cup. And then tomorrow, come before the Lord and say, I need you, God. I need you today. And as you continually come to God 
and lean on him. Recognize him as as your source. You'll find your cup getting fuller and fuller and fuller to where you're overflowing. So Pastor Sean's going to lead us or or Jim's going to lead us in this song. Take this time and respond and come to God. If you can do it right there in your seat, if you can stand there or you want to come up to the altar, anywhere that you can make that happen where you're not distracted. And then when the song's over, I'll come up, we'll pray, and we'll dismiss.